This morning's first scripture reading comes to us from the book of Habakkuk, third chapter, verses 17 to 19. Let's listen together for a word from God. Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the, oil, of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights to the leader with stringed instruments. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the book of Mark. We begin in the 11th chapter, and then we'll move to the 13th. Let's listen again for a word from God. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when they came to Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see whether, per, uh, whether perhaps he would find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. In the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, that fig tree you cursed has withered. And so from chapter 13 we hear, From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things take place, you will know that he is near at the very gates Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The word of the Lord. If you haven't already guessed, the theme today is figs, and uh, it's really been driven by uh, an original composition. Uh, Jordan Green is going to sing uh, and, uh, as a centerpiece of our worship service today. That uh, beautiful song, uh, I Am a Fig Tree, uh, is based on the famous parable of the fig tree, uh, but as you can see, there are other scriptural references to Figs, uh, as I said to the children, figs are all over the Bible. It's a common theme. Um, and uh, we are going to take a look at that a little bit more closely today as we think about what kind of fruit you and I are called and made and created to bear. So please pray with me as we think and reflect upon that together. Loving God, may the meditations of our hearts together upon this, your word to us today. Be acceptable to you in your sight and life-giving 
to us that we might bear fruit and not only have life ourselves, but share in your ministry of bringing life, abundant life, to the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a story about a man who borrowed a book from a friend, and as he read through the book, he was intrigued to find parts kind of annotated off in the margins with the letters YBH. So when the man returned the book to his friend, he asked what YBH meant. The owner replied that the underlined paragraphs everywhere in the book were sections that he basically agreed with. They They gave him hints on how to improve himself or something about the world and about life that he could affirm. Uh, But the letters YBH stood for yes, but how, which is really the question we should all be asking whenever we read any book, but especially the Bible. Okay, yes, I think I get where this is going. I think I have a sense of what you're trying to say to me, Lord, but how? YBH, yes, but how? That's the question for us this morning. I want to bear fruit. I want to be a good fig tree and a good fig. I know I have to spend more time focused on that, whatever it might be, praying or trying to be a better person, reading scripture. I should, be do, I should do more forgiving, less judging, things like that. I know I have to be more sensitive to others more loving, more understanding. I've got good intentions, but oh God, you know where the road paved with good intentions always leads. So again, it's very fairly easy if you put some time into it when you're reading scripture, when you're trying to engage God's word to recognize the what. It's the yes, but how though that requires further examination. Because Bearing the fruit you and I are made to produce and be isn't always as easy as it seems. This morning's story of the fig tree in the Gospel of Mark, which we uh, visit through two separate but closely situated passages in chapter 11 and chapter 13 uh, of uh, Mark's Gospel, Uh, focus on the bearing of good fruit. It's a story that is sort of kind of hard to read if you think about it. Um, And as we look at it, we kind of know that we Christians are meant to, yeah, okay, we're supposed to repent and be a good fig tree, a fig tree that bears fruit. Um, But if we're honest with ourselves, we know how far short of that goal we usually fall. So um, let's think about what this story means for us so that we can answer the question, yes, but how? Now, uh, I brought all that fruit from my house today, except for the fig. I got that from a special fig provider, uh, because I don't like figs very much, unless they're wrapped in a Newton. (laughs) Or if they're wrapped in bacon, because anything is good wrapped in bacon especially bacon. But back to the fig. As I mentioned uh, a couple times already, figs are all over not only the Bible, but all over the Middle East uh, in its natural habitat. In fact, the sycamore fig, which we think is the 
kind of fig, the genus of the fig that we are reading about in scripture. Uh, in its natural habitat, it, the fig bears large yellow or red fruit all year round, depending on which part of that sort of Middle Eastern area it is being grown. Um, but there's more to it than just sort of eating figs. There's also this sort of image of what a fig tree means, particularly in scripture. Because the goal of life, according to scripture, is to sit under your own fig tree. Because sitting under your own fig tree is a blessing and a sign of security and peace. A fig tree is about, when it's fully mature, about 15 feet tall, and its branches spread out about 25 feet, like an umbrella, creating a space as they kind of dip down toward the ground, almost like a private room. So if you were living in the Middle East with your six, seven children, and you're always in this kind of small habitat, small home, and there's always sort of chaos, always something going on, uh, a fig tree would be a place of escape, kind of a sanctuary, uh, where you could sit to reflect, read scripture, pray, maybe the latest uh, Tom Clancy novel, whatever it might be. But sitting under a fig tree was a sign that you are sort of in a place where you cannot be harmed, cannot be distracted. You can be yourself. None other than George Washington, our very first president, president um, used the image of the fig tree throughout his correspondence. And mostly he quoted from the prophet Micah, which reads like this, Micah 4, 3 and 4. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore, but everyone shall sit under his own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make him afraid, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In fact, many people know that verse from the musical Hamilton. Because as George Washington decides and announces to Alexander Hamilton that he is not going to run for a third term in the song one last time, Washington, as he sings, quotes Micah 4, 3, and 4, especially verse 4, I just want to sit under my own vine and fig tree. The philosopher Jiddu Krishnamurti uh, once wrote, and I could have been writing about sitting under your own fig tree. It is very important in life to go out alone, to sit under a tree, not with a book, not with a companion, but by yourself, to observe the falling of a leaf, hear the lapping of the water, the fisherman's song, watch the flight of a bird and of your own thoughts as they chase each other across the space of your mind. If you are able to be alone and watch these things under that tree, then you will discover extraordinary riches which no government can tax, no human agency can corrupt, and which can never be taken from you or destroyed. So this image of fig tree is one of peace, prosperity, security, assurance. But in Mark today, it doesn't start that way. We get this story initially of 
Jesus cursing a fig tree. And it happens right after, in Mark's gospel, Jesus enters Jerusalem for the final time on Palm Sunday, just a few days before he will face the cross and death, abandonment, suffering. As he is just arriving in Jerusalem, Jesus sees a fig tree with no fruit on it, and he gets annoyed and angry because he is hangry, right? He wants some figs, and there are no figs on this tree, which seems kind of harsh and out of character for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In fact, if you read Mark, Jesus has just fed thousands of people with a little bit of bread and a few fish, and now he gets all bent out of shape and hangry at a poor fig tree, which Mark tells us is just in leaf. It's just budding. It's not ready to produce fruit. It's not supposed to have any fruit on it. And yet Jesus curses it and says, no one shall ever eat fruit from you again. Something else has to be going on here in this text. And what does it mean? Sure enough, a few verses later in chapter 11, as Graham read, Peter Jesus' number one disciple, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke anyway, sees the fig tree that Jesus cursed and says, look, Rabbi, it is withered down to its roots. By the way, the curse and withering of the fig tree is the only miracle that happens in what we call the passion narrative, the section of all four gospels that happens uh, after Jesus enters Jerusalem right up before Good Friday and the cross. It's the only miracle in Mark's gospel that happens once Jesus arrives in the holy city. Let's take a look more closely, though, at chapter 11, verse 14, because this is the phrase which I think is the key to understanding what the fig tree means in these texts this morning. And the disciples heard it. Jesus curses the tree, And Mark wants the readers to know, wants us to know, that the disciples heard it, and then a few verses later, that Peter remembered it. And then a couple of chapters later, in the second part of our reading this morning, as Jesus is getting even closer to the cross, here comes that fig tree again in his his teaching, in his speaking and reflecting. From the fig tree, Jesus says, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender, and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In both of these texts about the figs, first the cursing and then the sort of more positive characterization of a fig tree just about to bud and produce fruit, the emphasis is on Jesus' word, which, if you think about it, in Mark's gospel, which is the first gospel written, and if you were reading it in the first century for the first time, would be a radical Christological claim that Jesus' word is the most important authority there is. More important in the temple, the priests, the religious establishment, this new upstart itinerant teacher, this former carpenter or artisan, his word now, according to Mark and the new Christian movement, is the most authoritative 
word from God possible. So what matters today is the word that Jesus says to us. What matters is not how well you and I produce fruit. We try to produce good fruit. It doesn't always work. We don't always reach the mark. What matters is Jesus' constant, faithful, reliable word. By ourselves, Jesus tells us, the fig tree, the temple, all the religion in the world, you, me, we can't produce the kind of fruit that brings life for ourselves, for those we love, for the world. We can't on our own create abundant life. We try, we try, even with the best intentions, we get off track. But with God, with the source of life, with the one who planted the fig tree in the first place, we can bear fruit, create life, find abundant peace and happiness and fulfillment inside of us. It doesn't happen overnight. And that's one of the hard lessons for our consumer culture today. You have to keep showing up, which is really the secret to life, the secret to parenting, to ministry, especially with young people. Uh, it's the secret to really relationships. Keep showing up, even when it gets hard, even when you get nothing back in return. There's, a, there's the saying, to be good at something, you have to put in about 10,000 hours, right? Well, to create fruit in relationship with God, it's something you have to do every day to keep showing up. Here today, Jesus curses the fig tree, even though it's in leaf with buds on it, and then he uses that same image of a budding fig tree to give forth a sense of hope and promise to our lives, to let us know that we are not alone. A fig tree, once you plant it, doesn't produce fruit for three years. It will only flower in those first few years. It takes time to be nurtured. It takes time to be cultured. A fig tree's maturity shows you, once it starts to bear fruit, that the gardener has loved it and cared for it steadfastly and continuously over years so that the fruit that is born really is something amazing and it really is life-giving. This is one reason why a fig tree is such a symbol of God's presence and God's life and God's love for us. Today, Jesus is making a claim about who he is and about what who he is means about who we are. He comes to town. He brings the confrontation now out into the open. Up until now, before he comes to Jerusalem, Jesus has been preaching in parables, sort of indirectly, opaquely. But now, no more parables, no more stories. He walks into town. He curses the fig tree, and the very next thing he does is start overturning the tables of the money changers. The confrontation with the world is now out in the open and clear for all to see and experience. Then he moves closer and closer along the Via Della Rosa to the cross, and he uses the fig tree to give his friends, his disciples, and us a sign of hope and reassurance that even in the darkest of days, there is hope, there is life, there is true joy. It's as if to say, as he brings up the fig tree today, I know it's hard, don't be afraid. I'm at the gates, I'm right at the door, I'm ringing the doorbell. 
I'm with you. Don't be afraid. It's good news that the fig tree is the image for our lives because God does not ask us to be anything but who we are. The fig tree is only required to produce figs. That's it. No more. You and I are asked only to do and accomplish what our natural giftedness allows for us, but we're not asked to do anything more, just that. Be the person you were born to be in relationship with the God who loves you. This gives you not only peace, but real joy, not just happiness, but joy. So I'll conclude this morning with a quote from uh, Frederick Buechner, who died just a few days ago, a sort of hero to so many of us. Uh, This is a quote from The Great Dance, which is at the top of your bulletin this morning. As we think about the yes, but how question that we're supposed to answer and ask. How do we produce fruit? How do we live abundantly in relationship with God? We do it by showing up day after day, allowing ourselves to be shaped and molded and to grow in relationship with the God who loves us. And the result of that is true joy. Buechner said, happiness comes when things are going our way which makes it only a forerunner to the unhappiness which inevitably follows when things stop going our way, as in the end they will stop for all of us. Joy, on the other hand, does not come because something is happening or not happening. Joy is a mystery because it can happen anywhere, anytime, even under the most unpromising circumstances, even in the midst of suffering, even with tears in its eyes. That is God's goal for you and for me. May the image of the fig tree be in our hearts today as we go out into this beautiful, beautiful world. Please pray with me. Loving God, be with us as we seek to be your children, to be uh, fruitful in relationship with you, and help us not to try to do this on our own. Remind us again and again that we are just creations of yours, and in seeing ourselves as your creations, we find ourselves, our true happiness and joy. Amen.